We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Yo, 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 what's good? It's the Players Lounge. It's the Lucky Lefty Podcast. We back at you for the second time today, but this time we got the players themselves, my former teammates, the man with the plan, CJ Procise, and of course, we got the one and only Mega Man, <laughs> Jerron Jones. Hey, chill, chill, chill. Back in the building. <laughs> Listen, guys, it's, it's a players-only type of day. You know we spin it different over here on the Lucky Lefty Podcast, but thank you guys, first of all, for coming out, man. It's been a long season. Notre Dame ended the season at eight and four. We didn't get it done versus SC, but Marcus Freeman's first year, feel pretty good about it. Feel pretty good about it. But first, we want to go back over that SC recap. Tell me, what were your thoughts on the game? I know we didn't come out with the dub, but hey, SC looked nice this year. Man, yeah. No, they uh Caleb Williams definitely uh showed me. I didn't think he was that I didn't think he was that nice, man. Then he uh <laughs> Like, you didn't think he was that nice? He just put up 500 yards versus UCLA. I mean, I'm thinking, like, I mean, I'm like, it's, it's Pac-12, so I'm like, you can do that against Pac-12 any any weekend. But like, you know, you playing against Notre Dame, we actually got some defense, so I'm thinking we, you know, we're gonna put at least least like, contain them, man. That dude look, looking like he was like Pat Mahomes out there, like where he was moving. Yeah, they just wasn't finishing plays. Then yeah. the fact that they was like literally out there the whole half, the whole first half. So they wore down in the second half. You see it by yeah. the, uh, the running back was running it in the second half because he was he was getting some big gains. But um, also I just feel like our offense. I felt like we should have went with um number seven first to get carries first because he's been the one that's been going off for our our rushing attack. Um, I felt like he should have got a bulk load of the carries. I mean that's just my opinion. Um. But you know our our O line. I think our O line did pretty well. You know, I did I think they did really well actually. Um, our defense, our D line played pretty physical to start. Obviously, we had to keep finish those tackles, and you know, fin- and finish those plays. You know where he, where you know, Caleb Williams just looking like Pat Mahomes out there pretty much. Now you guys have played in the or at least was around in the game in 2012 when we needed to beat. SC to get to the championship, which we did against Bama. Did you see any of that kind of comparison from last night's game and how that SC team was to the SC, SC uh, USC team that y'all played in 12 that y'all needed to win? 
Nah. <laughs> <laughs> no, nah, I mean, I, I just think like, you know, the team, you know, we just like we just had we just made those plays to win the game. Like, you know, the, the Saturday we didn't make those plays to win the game. So, you know, you know when we fumble, we fumble that ball at the half. It, instead, so we, it's, it's like it was a 14-point swing. Instead, we were about to go score, and instead it goes 24-7. Instead, we could have scored on that drive. So just little little stuff like that. And then, you know, we just – and with SC, they, they offense was good, man. We just had to – and we had, we couldn't make no mistakes on offense, and we made too many. Too like, many. We, we made too many on offense, and we had to score. We had to score to keep up with them, and we just couldn't. Yeah, too many guys were um, aborting their responsibilities when he was scrambling. So, you know, yeah. open up for a lot of downfield uh, throws. I feel like a lot of his explosive plays came off of that because off of his scrambling created those explosive plays. Um, again, I feel like we were stronger than them at the point of attack. I just feel like we wore out because obviously we were on the field for way too long in the first half. I think our offense was only had three possessions. And that's when I've, the Russian attack started to go off. But, like, I really, again, feel mm -hmm. like, I really felt like we 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 were the better team. I, I thought we we were going to come out there and mangle those guys. You know what I'm saying? I felt like we were the more physically the more physical team. Um, if you look if you really look at the stats, like I don't USC probably only had like maybe like 30, 45 more yards than us, like yeah. total offense. Um, so like again, like I really felt like for as bad as our offense played, especially with those turnovers and those. Miss opportunities on those uh, third and shorts. We I think we had like two third and shorts stopped, and then fourth and one stopped as well. Um, I I feel like you keep those drives going. You know, it gives our defense a break, and you know we convert that into points. Um, you know, I felt like we could have. They, I feel like we could have been the team to wear USC down, but I think our turnovers is what what held us back, and you know, missing tackles and whatnot. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Yeah, big game. You definitely can't turn the football over, especially when you got a guy over there as something like an X Factor, getting the crowd hype, making big plays. Players Lounge, we also have the one and only Oscar McBride joining us. Thank you so much for coming on, man. We just recapping the USC game. What what are your thoughts on how we looked at I know we didn't finish how we wanted to, but, but right. damn it, it felt like we should have won. You know what? Uh, I, I have to agree. I feel like for me coming into that game, I thought we were just going to just ground and pound. You know, um, it's not uncommon for USC to have athletes. I mean, they always have athletes, right? 
But I mean, they play a different brand of football than we play. You know, we're, you know, we're in the Midwest. We play in cold weather. We play in snow. Like you know, we're we're battle tested. You know, a lot of our schedules, a Big Ten schedule, ACC schedule, no knock on the Pac-12, but they're not the most physical guys in the country. So my money was on putting a hand in the dirt, white knuckling it, running down their throat. You know what I mean? That's what I thought we were going to do. And, you know, to echo the last point, like, yeah, they're an explosive offense. Well, what's the best way to slow down a potent offense? Not give them the ball, right? Like control the offense, control the line of scrimmage, put yourselves in third and short situations where it's manageable, um, and, and run the football. And I feel like we just, I don't know if we stayed with it enough. You know what I mean? Uh, just downhill, you know, zone. Our backs are explosive, great vision. You know, just put a hat on a hat and let them do what they do. You know what I mean? And I feel like we didn't do enough of that. I feel like we could have a little bit more of that earlier in the game to establish the line of scrimmage. Now, we also see on the offensive side of Paul. It's almost like we you're leaving the field wanting more. In Ohio State game, we left the field wanting a lot more because yeah. we saw the potential of the points of what the running the football could do, but also what passing could have done in right. a game to give us some better situations on the on the scoreboard. But is there is do you guys feel like there is some X factor or some something else we may need on the offensive side, just like SC had? on their offensive end where they have firepower. Do you think we have enough firepower offensively uh, to even be in these games, especially coming for the years after and years to come? I mean, no, we definitely, especially, uh, I mean, the running back position, you know, is, is, I mean, it's, it's pretty solid, you know, for the next coming years. Uh, but, you know, receivers, we got some young receivers, but I think the development of the receivers is going to be very key. Um you know, I think that's going to be a very key, uh, you know, key factor going forward. And then also a guy, a guy, you know, a guy at quarterback. I mean, that's just the main thing. You know, we just need a guy. 100%. Uh, 100%. You know, a solid guy. You know, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't have to be like a, you know, we don't need a Bryce Young or a, uh, a CJ Shroud or none at the top. You know, we don't need no top. That'd be five all right, top. though. That'd be we'll all right. Be nice. that'd, 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 <laughs> we, we should. Why right not? We know the day. We should. About that. But, you know, give us a guy, you know, give us a guy who can, you know, manage it and, you know, who can not, you know, not. You know, just keep us in it. You know, because even like even the game on Saturday, Drew Pine did not play a terrible game. He played pretty well. Like I think he played a pretty well game, other than the two turnovers. But you know, if you can, if you can have a guy who can consistently play that well, just consistently play like that. I mean, he, right. I'm not asking him to go. You know, 13 for 15 every game, but you know, every you know, just managing the game and, and not and not and not losing it for us. That's that's the guy we need. And then well, we're, I, you know, to, developing to, the receivers as well. To, to echo that point, I would also say we need a guy who's a bit of a threat to run the rock too. Yeah, for you sure. Know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah like, for sure. Williams had three touchdowns running the football. Man, yeah. you know what I mean? Running around like, you know, highlight sticking people. Like maybe we don't need a Lamar Jackson, but I feel like at least if he's a threat to run the football, that at least gives our running backs a chance. You know, getting in behind the line, creasing that thing, pressing the A gap, then bouncing it outside. If he's just handing it off and watching the play, that's not making the defense really honor anything. Exactly. And I don't know that we run a lot of RPOs or RPRs anyway. So it's like we need to have that additional threat. Like, you know, when Lefty was playing, we knew something was going to shake, whether it was going to be down the field or he was going to do it with his legs. You had to plan for number seven. I mean, you you, you had to. I mean, it – if, if you didn't, it was going to be a problem for you. So I feel like we don't have we don't have that element of 
threat at the quarterback position. You know what I yeah. mean? Yeah, we, def- we definitely don't. And you're looking around that. all the college football teams that are winning, and all of them got threats at the quarterback that's, position. I mean, that's yeah. that's it. It's like, just a- I mean, any level, at any level, you know, it's, it's going to be you, you got to have that that guy at quarterback. I mean, that's just yeah. kind of how it is for real. Yeah, but like, you know, just thinking about like how dominant our O line can be and how physically imposing they can be, and, you know, adding just that extra blocker with the running back and having the quarterback follow behind it, you know? Right. Yeah. Especially if we go strong side, weak side, we're always we're always up on numbers because we have an additional blocker. Yeah. Especially when you have tight ends, like I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna give my boy some love, man. Oh like, my gosh. I mean, I, I love Michael Mayer. Like yeah. the dude is a monster, but like you can't run your entire offense through a tight end. We need to your point earlier, oh. we need a receiver that can take the top off the defense, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. give me somebody that's going to stretch the field, you know, and, and let Mike, you know, work underneath, work on those linebackers because they can't cover him. He's, he's just too much. Yeah, he's but also much. I think if we threw a couple jump balls and, you know, got that ball in the air, I just think he just didn't throw it. He refused to – how many he shots – He just refused to throw it. That's the yeah. problem. He just refuses to throw the deal. I don't, I, don't, I don't know if that's the – but, you know, I don't know if that's the issue. I don't know if it's him, though, you know, I, you know, because sometimes, you know, it's not just – it's the guy, you know – He's he's not trying to mess it up, you know. You yeah. gotta give him the fight. Like, I don't want a guy that's not, not trying, trying to mess it up any longer because way. you know it's too- <laughs> even, even Kansas City, even Kansas City have one of the best tight ends, but they still have outside threats that make the offense like you have to have it. Guard. You, you have, have to have that, bro. Have you, you, I mean, there's there's no there's no way you're gonna be a legitimate offense if you don't have somebody who's a threat to you to the secondary. No, and, and again, no disrespect. I don't, think, to Mike. I don't think it was a guy he trusted out there really. This, <laughs> yeah. and that's a problem. I mean, look at the, the BC the, was, was game the or the Navy game. Again. But like, you know, the Styles kid. You know, I thought he was gonna, you know, the development. I thought he was gonna develop a little bit more. But you know, I guess it doesn't just wasn't. You know, I mean, he's, he's still. I mean, still is with sophomore year, so he still got a lot, you know, a lot of time left. So I, ain't, yeah. I'm definitely not ruling him. I still got a lot of talent. But you know, I just thought like the development was gonna be a little bit. You know. More than he's as far as I like it. No, so I think Jaden Thomas, he was the he was a freshman, right? Like, he, yeah, I think it's the second year, second year guy. Yeah, he was yeah. cold, he cold. And I think, I think it just goes back to what Marcus Freeman sees in this last game in the regular season and what you know, kind of how the season's been a little bit inconsistent, mm-hmm. a little bit ups, ups and downs with some great wins mixed with some really, really bad losses. But how would you cap? The first season for Marcus Freeman, newly led Notre Dame football team. I personally think he did a great job because you even think about how I mean, not a great job, but like you know what I'm saying. I mean, is he on the hot seat already? No, Are they already no, looking no, at no, 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 Coach Kelly is the winningest football coach in Notre Dame history, and he started out one and three when he first got the job. Okay. There you go. You know what That's I'm saying? Fair. Like, 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 especially like a big brand like Notre Dame, and like you know, doing dealing with that at a head coaching position. That's new, especially yeah. that, and that's something that you know, no job can really prepare you for. So you know, right. some some people know how to weather the storm, some people don't, and right. some people got to learn. That's the yeah. that, that's the point of the season. But yeah. I feel like going forward, I feel like our main focus next going into next season is when we're supposed to take care of business. Do we take care of business? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Well, and I think he'll have another year on his belt, you know, to your point. Like, okay, first year, he's got a lot of things he's working out too, right? 
You know, he's 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 figuring out his leadership style. He's figuring out how to lead the guys that he has. He's figuring out how to lead his coaches, exactly. how to allow them to coach, how to have their their own voices, where those voices come from. Um, and yeah, he's he's got to deal with the institution that is Notre Dame. And I'm not just talking about the college. I'm talking about Notre Dame, the community. You know, like there's a, there's a lot that comes with that. Um, and you know, to to be quite honest, like coach still needs to figure out who he can and can't trust too. Yeah. yeah. There, there, there's a lot that he's got to he's got a shoulder, man. So, would I say he did a great job? I wouldn't call it great, but I would call it a really good job. Like you know, um, knowing that your quarterback situation, even with even with Buckner, was average at best, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. if you could somehow marry the two of them together, okay. So maybe Drew Pine throws the ball a little bit better, but like, you know. Buckner runs a rock like a running back. Yeah. yeah, he ran like a running back, right? So, so if there was a way to, to marry those two quarterbacks, like we would have had a, a decent quarterback to manage, like you guys said that that we need. But like, you know, Tyler's one dimensional. He's a he's a run guy, and if yeah. he can throw it, why didn't we let him when he was in there? Yeah. You know, so I I think being shorthanded, not having that general, you know, maybe the guys trust him because they have to. Maybe some guys don't trust him. You know, you talked about him trusting receivers. I feel like that goes both ways. You know, like mm-hmm. you got to trust the guy that's under center that he's going to put you in the right situation, give you the, the the type of ball that you need in the situation. Um, I feel like you know it was one of those things where maybe the locker room might have been divided in the beginning. You know, some were with Tyler, some were with Drew. You never know. But like for everything that he didn't do, I thought Coach Freeman did did a hell of a job, man. Yeah, absolutely. Especially putting the recruiting classes together, which yeah. you've been able to do in an eight and four season with a lot of expectation. I really believe that you know he wants to put his he, everything that he touched outside that quarterback position off season took a step forward, and that's absolutely. something that the kids can buy into. Especially managing uh, with just all this stuff with the transfer portal and the NIL. Do you think that? That, that's great on Marcus Freeman as he continues season after season with this NIL and how it works with Notre Dame because you know we don't typically give up the bag too often. Listen, to get that guy. I think we want oh, to give him that bag. Yeah. Oh. Look, let me tell you this. Like, here, here's here's my thing. Like NIL, I think to a point is is long overdue. However. What really freaks me out about it is how eerily quiet the NC2A has been throughout this entire process. They have said absolutely nothing in terms of regulation, in terms of cap. I mean, shoot, even in the league, there's a salary cap. Yeah, that's what I was saying. You just gonna have to get a, a salary cap to all. You know what I mean? Like, there's there's no cap. So so you know these alumni of these other schools, man, are, are coming with the bag. They're like, yo. We need this cat. How much is it going to cost? Oh, you need 250 Okay, here we go. Let's figure it yeah. out. That ain't happening in South Bend. We all know that. <laughs> it's not happening. So I feel like there's there's got to be a way to navigate. I mean, even even with the, the transfers, man, like we're only accepting grad transfers, right? Don't we just accept grad transfers? Yeah, we, we we never we never have any uh, like regular transfers, right? And we never even had trans. We never accepted transfers when I was there. So yeah, this is I, don't, I don't think I don't think they do. Yeah, it's you got fifteen hundred. You got fifteen hundred in just the FCS transfer portal. Yes. Then you got the regular one, and then you got the uh, <laughs> you got JUCO, the, the high school, and you got high school, and then you got JUCO. So it's like right. 
and it'd be some now everybody's just jumping in there i'm gonna tell you right now as a high school football coach here in marietta there's a lot of talent that comes out of here okay a lot of kids that go to modern day and bosco you know and survive in those places a lot of those kids come from this area it's you know temecula marietta minifee this area right what this has done this whole nil thing has done on top of covid which i hate even saying it but it's true these guys have so many years that are left and available. If I'm a college football coach, unless this dude is a five-star dog ready to come in and yeah. start, yeah. yeah, I'm looking at the portal. Then I'm looking to JUCO because JUCO has dudes have bounced back for whatever reason, yeah. guys that have been in programs, guys that are really hungry and trying to get out, mm-hmm. you know. So unless you're a dude that's like that quarterback from Los Al, um, what's his name, Malik? Malachi Nelson. Malachi Nelson, man, look, dude is a boss. Yeah. And and when Caleb Williams leaves after next year, because he's for sure out, this dude is going to step right into the shoes. Like, we need to have that type of, like, pipeline. And, unfortunately, the university puts a lot of wrinkles in that program, man. Yeah. No, I mean, that's, I mean, the, the whole NIL thing, like, benefits a uh, school like USC so much because it's like, what? Give y'all, we just give y'all anything y'all want for us to win. We don't care. Like, right. Right. Do you guys feel like the fast food process, though, of getting transfers like an SC, like how Tennessee did, and Tennessee ended up falling apart towards the end, even South Carolina themselves, bunch of transfers, one year guys. Had some early on success, but as the season went on, kind of fell apart. Texas A and M, all the money and all the money and time spent on those recruits, and look, it ain't. I mean, terrible, terrible. They young though. A and M is young, bro. Yeah, I mean, it's. it's I mean, philosophy. Philosophy is not gonna work out, man. It's gonna be just a lot of. I mean, it's gonna be you know. It's, it's at, at the end of the day, it's gonna fall. It's gonna end up being the same schools being you know still being nice. It's gonna be still be Alabama, Georgia. Yeah, Georgia you know, know how to do it though. They throw the it's but Ohio State exactly. But you know, it's just other schools gonna be paying money to to, to get up there, but they're not gonna have a coaching to, to really put it together. That's that's really what it's gonna come down to. Because especially with all these boys getting paid now, you mm-hmm. gotta have coaching. The coaching Yeah. I, you know, to that point, I think you got to have a special kind of coach to take a dude that's been in one program with a specific culture for four years or three years or whatever it is. And then he's coming into another program where there's guys that have been there. He comes in and now he's the guy. You know what I mean? As a coach, you know, what's your message there? You know, these guys have, have been loyal. They've stayed with your program. Like, buddy, you're just not good enough. Here's a guy that we're, we we basically we got him off the internet. So, got him off like, the internet. Yeah, you, you it's, damn near tinted. It's, it's, it's business now. Truth. It's literally Facts. business now. It's Facts. literally business. I mean, it's Facts. like it's basically it's business. NFL now, like, you know, you yep. your job get taken by another guy. Like, just like Same. that. Another school. You're not even you're you're not compete with your own school no more. Yeah, it's dang. It's dang. They're not even uh, the tradition. That, that kids go to some of these schools for, it turns into, like you said, a business decision. And for a guy like Marcus Freeman, being a young coach, being a guy that, that players want to play behind, mm-hmm. what what's kind of what do you think is his, his strategy on handling not only the transfers, but the guys on his team that are developing each and every day that he's bringing in as recruits? 
because you really want to be able to keep kids there. I think retention right now is, is terrible to NCAA. Mm-hmm. And, and coaches are probably even worse now because they're lying their ass off to keep some of them kids there. 100%, man. Yeah. 100%. But I think I think Notre Dame has an authentic and like fully cultured brotherhood in that locker room. Uh, I, I don't really see – I mean, yeah, you know, people probably have their differences on, like, the quarter, on the quarterback situation and all that. But, like, think about it. Everybody had their quarterback – everybody had their um, thoughts about the quarterback situation when it was you and DK going at it. You know what I'm saying? But, you know, we still stuck together as a locker room. You know what I'm saying? I feel like right. the familiness and the togetherness in Notre Dame, I really feel like that's always going to stay strong. So, like, that's one thing that I could say we had a completely different experience than – a lot of other schools because like yeah. you know we didn't have guys coming in out like a really a revolving door it was yeah, like yeah. You, you just didn't work out or you know because like think about it cj me and art me and your uh graduating class we only had like 14 people that we like finished with yeah but like you know we, we we was a really tight-knit group and like all the all the teams that we played on were all like we were all cohesive. We were all together. We always did everything together and all that. Mm-hmm. So, like, I really feel like the brotherhood is always going to be the brotherhood. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's right. just more so how can we get the brotherhood to turn that next corner to where we can go on the national stage each and every week and dominate and do what we're supposed to do and be in talks right. for a national championship. Because that's really mm-hmm. the goal is trying to yep. get a national championship. I agree with that. I agree with that. I think maybe, it, it, you know, Malik, to your question, man, Maybe it comes more true like free agency where you're looking for a specific guy. You know, it's it's not a wholesale Lincoln Riley. Okay, this was my team a year ago. Scrap that team. I'm going to buy this other team. You know what yeah. I mean? Maybe it's a situation where we're looking for a specific guy. Like we're looking for a guy. Okay, we need a guy in the slot that's going to take the top off of defense. You know, maybe maybe we find a guy that's an FCS guy. Maybe we find a guy that's another place that can do that specific thing. You know, maybe we find a you know a, a, another running back, or maybe we find another DB. You know, that specifically can do what we need. I mean, that maybe we use that type of strategy, yeah. but I don't think we're ever going to be in a, a position, just as a university and as a program to do the wholesale, you know, we about to hit the market and just bring in 20 dudes. Like, <laughs> it ain't going to happen. I, I, can, I can totally be on board with the FCS because it'd be some dogs that, you know, yeah, yeah. under be some guys now. For sure. Like, like, even Especially like, some um, DBs and stuff. Like, yeah, bro. DBs, defenders. Like, bro, it was yeah. a dude that came out of um Albany. He was the star D in that Florida State. Yeah. 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 He looked like yeah. Khalil Mack. He, yes. Yes. I'm like, what? Yes, yeah. bro. And yeah, they out there. Tricky. They, they out there. Yeah. Yeah. They're cheating dudes in that FCS rank, man. Mm-hmm. But you got to spend a lot of money on, I think, uh, this offseason on a better recruiting office. You got to expand that office because now you're looking at guys almost like the league. Every Tuesday, you should be bringing some guys <laughs> in. Yeah. <laughs> and be like, hey, you might have to come in. I mean, I and, just think and, it be, we have to be that on top of it especially if we're wanting to compete with what George is printing out over there every year. I mean, I can't even put us in a conversation with, with, with a team like that right now, just on a, uh, the way they're doing it. But even speaking towards the bowl game, how big is this bowl game win for Marcus Freeman? They got a slot at playing maybe South Carolina or maybe a Mississippi state, two teams that, you know, I don't think that are much better than us or better than us, but they definitely present a challenge, especially with that SEC front seven. 
South Carolina would be a great matchup. I feel like South Carolina would be a good matchup because like they got some athletes on that offense. Mm-hmm. And they got and they got a they I mean their defense is not what it, I feel like we should take care of their defense, but like I feel like Spencer Rattler has come a long way since when he was at Oklahoma going through like that dry spell of not really doing well and all that. Cause I really feel like, you know, his mental, like to now, you know, going against Tennessee and who they just beat Clemson at Clemson, Clemson, at Clemson, Clemson bro. Yeah. And, you know, I, I feel like, you know, our defense could look forward to that challenge and, you know, that can be the start, you know, to really get rid of, get that Caleb Williams. Marshall out the you know Stanford game out the yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but you know what? In those games, in those games, I'm sitting in the comfort of my own home watching those games. Every other guy that's making a play, the transfer from so-and-so, the yeah. transfer <laughs> even Stanford is like, well, this is a transfer from, like, everybody's got the transfer from this place and that place, and we're like, oh, we got the same cats, bro. And we got the grad transfer. <laughs> we got the grad, grad transfer, transfer yeah, from Harvard. Yeah, <laughs> yeah from Harvard, yeah. I don't know, I that's right, because we, we, we can only do grad transfers from, like, schools with, like, equal value. So we can only get transfers from, like, Stanford. Northwestern. Northwestern. Stanford. <laughs> Harvard. Uh, Ivy League. Yeah, that uh, no transfer yeah. from Alabama coming over here, bro. It's not yeah. happening. It's not happening. Man, do you think we need another Stefan Tuit, Isaiah Fowski type of Nick Bosa shutdown? And because I think we do have a solid front seven. We got a lot of great role players, guys that can make plays. But do we need that Chase Young bona fide defense in under Marcus Freeman? Yeah, we definitely need another, another guy. Yeah, yeah. Definitely, definitely, definitely another guy over that there. That defense prides itself on the pass rush. Yeah, that pass sure. rush makes the world go round. And on the, for that defense, hundred percent, bro, hundred yeah. percent. Get a, you know, Malik, get a quarterback off his spots, make him uncomfortable. Give him some fly bys and some lucky lose. <laughs> no, seriously, and I think you know Marcus Freeman is probably sit back a little, a little upset that it didn't go quite as planned. But I think he has a clear mind of what he needs yeah. to accomplish in this offseason. And that starts yeah. with that quarterback position. And going into the and going into the offseason, I think he does need to reevaluate what the offense looks like, especially with Tommy Reese. Um, how do you think that relationship melded well or didn't meld well with Tommy Reese and Marcus Freeman in the during the year? I feel like there was a lot of struggles in the beginning on an identity issue, but it seems to come kind of together towards the end. Yeah, I feel like, you know, I feel like for the most part they figured it out because of that run that we had in the past, like, few games, I feel like that was no fluke. I feel like that was starting to be the identity of Notre Dame. Like, we are a ground-and-pounded team, but, you know, we'll make you focus on the run, but then we'll throw it over your head and we can actually make those passes. We we can take those shots. Yeah, I mean, I think that, you know, I think we've realized the strength of our offense and strength of our team was the O-line and – uh we had to just kind of lean on them, and then the running back, you know, position. We had three guys who were versatile, different. They brought a kind of different uh, style to the game, and it really, it really helped, you know. And so, so the pass game didn't really, we didn't really need it much, and we had Meyer, so it kind of, kind of, you know, got through the year, you know, with the, uh, you know, with what we had. Uh, but you know, obviously, going forward, it's going to be. I mean, next year is definitely going to be something because we don't, we don't, right now we have a pass game because Meyer my, my, my was our pass game. So, yeah, that's what I'm saying. And but I think it's so crazy, though, game too. Pass game. How do you, how do you have a great offensive line, d- debatably a top five offensive line, but we're nowhere near the top five scoring offense 
in the country. I don't know how you can have a great offensive line and a non-top five scoring offense in the country. Well, you got to have playmakers. You got to have playmakers. That's one thing I think, though. I think they're figuring that out. I think. Yeah. And I also think, you know, we're, start, we're starting to count more on Coach Heastan, for example. I feel like, you know, Coach he, I I wouldn't be surprised if Coach Heastan has a much bigger voice within the offense than he did than when he was winning his first stint. 100%. Yeah, 100%. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah. like, I really feel like they're they're figuring it out. And yeah. I, I'm confident that they're going to figure it out. Yeah. And, I mean, we, it's going to start with the playmakers, man. The playmakers, At this yeah. point, we, we have to. Like, we, we've yeah. got – We've got talent. Like, I mean, I don't, I don't want it to seem like, you know, we're sitting here crying the blues. Like, we, we got, we got horses in the stable, man. Yeah. You know, we just got to put them in the best possible situation. Like, you know, as a coordinator, you're looking to try to put your dues in the best possible situation to make plays. Period. In the story. So, if I'm looking at the chess pieces we have, if I'm saying, okay, the strength of my offense is my offensive line, my running game, and my tight end. I'm about to put together a plan that's going to highlight that, and we're going to figure out a way to run it down your throat. Whether we're in diamond, but I got all three backs in there, you know. <laughs> seriously, I'm saying we, we know we we you know we're in diamond. I put my two big tight ends out there. Now you got a, you got trouble on the outside. If I do try to throw a 50-50 ball, you got to try to get around and do that six six two sixty. Good luck. Give me the first down or give me pi. So I feel like some of the creativity that we used to have under Coach Dembrock. Um, especially, you know, in, in those, you know, 12, 13 personnel type things, instead of just adding another tight end to the end of the line of scrimmage, you know, I think moving those guys around a little bit, creating some matchup issues, maybe giving us some advantages in the numbers, you know, like we didn't see a lot of that. We didn't yeah. see a lot of that. You know, uh, Lincoln Riley's first drive, man, this dude came out first, oh, RPR, type of stuff. RPO, like, yeah. I was like, yo, I was on a group chat with some of the guys. I was like, yo, do you see this man's call sheet? Like his yeah. first drive was nails. And he set the tone. They played with a sense of urgency. They didn't play with panic. They played with a sense of urgency. And I didn't, I just I haven't seen that in our offense. We haven't been urgent. Not panic, but we haven't been urgent. And I think that would that would help. And that's the question lot. too. How do you get back to dominating at home? I mean, I think we saw the, the the very little glimpse of what a dominating football team at home could look like versus Clemson, a number four team in the nation. But how can we do that every week at, at Notre Dame Stadium? I mean, even the fans was different. I was like, did we replace the fans? And somebody <laughs> was out there yelling and screaming like we, they really wanted to be there. I feel like the stadium renovation helped that a lot, too. You know, okay. We got, we got a jumbotron. Think about it, like you know all the suspense that we used to have when a play is under review. And we ain't got nothing to see it. Don't nothing. Know? We, nothing. We literally just are just going straight here. off the ref's word at this yeah. point. So we like, didn't have replay in my day. I'm old. So <laughs> just whatever they said, we went with it. <laughs> now is that a head coach thing that you that you carry with yourself to be a dominating force at home, or is it just more? Like you, like CJ said, you got to have all the playmakers. We got to get these five stars at receiver and and that quarterback and that running back. I think that goes to the to the work that we put in, in the winter, the work that we put in, in the spring. Um, you know, think about it. Like we, that's when we put in those values of accountability, consistency. You know what I'm saying? Things that we need to be 
be great and thrive in the best situations that, you know, when we're faced with adversity, how we're going to respond, you know, type mm-hmm. ordeals. I feel like, you know, our seasons based off our records, you know what I'm saying? Like those times when we went to the Natty and, you know, we went to the Fiesta Bowl, we had probably the greatest spring. We had good, really good springs. We had really good winners. We, we really got after it. The competition mm-hmm. was always there in every workout, you know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? Rather than, you know, the other few years where, you know, you know who's going to win each rep you know what i'm yeah. saying it, it wasn't really no competition where you're like sitting there were we doing that like that tire drill where we're fighting for the tire after, <laughs> after those team workouts you know who you know who's gonna win rather than you know think about that time when max i forgot max and somebody went at it and they going all over the field going all over the field yeah it's be, it'd be stuff like that you know what no, i'm saying the home games i feel like it's, it's, it's a surprise thing and i feel like and in, in your in like in our head, I feel like when we was there in our head, a home game was an automatic win. Like there was yep. no, automatic. it wasn't even like a, it wasn't really like a, a competition. It was like, all right, we just we can't like we just can't fuck this up. Right. You know? No yep. team like the team the team ain't gonna be just coming here and beat us. Like we right. can't fuck it up. Or yep. sorry, excuse my language, but um, right. exactly. But I, I feel like with the home games, like that's it's definitely a pride thing, and it comes from the head coach for sure. Like he got to make yep. some, like. Like, yep. like Deron said, it starts in them like spring, some spring workouts and the, the winter workouts and stuff. Because right, that, that's really where the head coach got to put in, install that that confidence. And I, I think, think even yeah, beyond confidence to to that point, even beyond confidence, I think you you have to have an attitude, man. Like yeah. you're not you're not gonna come you're not gonna come up in here. You know, like I tell my players all the time, like when you you become a man, like. You gonna let a dude just run up in your house and you know sit on your couch and take your TV, kiss your wife, smack her on the butt? Like, nah, like, bro, you're not doing that. This, this where we work. This, this is South Bend, Indiana. This is our field, bro. What do you mean? You about to take this L and get on the bus and go home? Like, that's the mentality. And I feel like that there's there's a part of us that has losing has become okay. And, and and acceptable, you know what I mean? Big game, like like they think it's the game. Yeah, man, like no, absolutely not. Like there was never a thought in in any of our minds when we played that we were going to lose the game. I don't care who we were playing. Exactly. I don't care the environment. I don't care if it was at the big house. I don't care if it was East Lansing. I don't care if it was in Happy Valley. It don't matter. It don't matter who we playing in the in the bowl game. We were supposed to lose to Florida. We went and smacked them. Like, bro, what do you mean? We're Notre Dame and y'all ain't. Yeah, and I think at some point. That has to mean something to the players. Like the coach can say that until he's blue in the face, but like the players have to own that and they have to embrace that and they have to be like, "Look, this is our crit. Like these are our fans. This is our like. What do you mean, bro? Take this L and keep it pushing. Get up out of here with that. Yeah, you know what I mean. You're absolutely right, especially you know having that attitude that you're not just gonna walk in here and do whatever you want. Oh man. It's, it, it generates from all aspects, especially when those players on the football team and then, you know, how it, how it resonates outside of that. And I think next year, with, with everything included, Marcus Freeman, if anything, is not going to let the home losses play a part at all. He's going to be, if anything, we're going to be dominant back at home. And starting fast is something I noticed that we made a huge change of from years before is that we're going out there at least with the intensity that we've been – prepared and itching to get to this game each week, something Marcus Freeman has really installed. But mm-hmm. from an identity standpoint, do you think that Notre Dame is in the right place to to reach that championship tier uh, moving forward under Marcus Freeman? 
yeah, uh, yeah. identity is definitely there for sure. Um, yeah. You know, as far as I think the the you know what he's the kind of tone he set for the players is there. You know, the the culture is there. Um, the culture is set. You know, but I obviously wish I get the guys in the building to to, to do it, and you know, so the guys are in, this, in certain spots to do it. But man, the culture is definitely there, and I'm excited mm-hmm. for uh, the next season for sure. Hundred percent. We're gonna be young, though. I think, man, in yeah. spots. I think you know. Like Coach Oshita always say, you know, a dog's going to bite you when he's a puppy. And you're going to wake up as a full-grown dog and just like, all right, I'm going to bite you now. Like, he's going to bite you when he's a puppy. He, he might not hurt, but he's going to try to bite you. So, yeah, you know, yeah. we may need to be a little younger. Like, you know, we had the – was it a freshman, redshirt freshman starting at corner for us? Like, came in, did a heck of a job, man. He did work, right? So, he like, we – you know, we, we might have to – you know, the, here's what's crazy. The days of development. That you got to be, be ready to play, huh? Bro, you got to come <laughs> in ready, man. You got to come in ready. Like, and you know, if you're trying to win now and, and change a program, like, you know, yeah, but you want to develop guys, but some of these guys got to be ready when they step in the door. We need yeah, those like key positions. You got to be ready at quarterback, got to be ready at DN, got to be ready at receiver as, as a big-time playmaker. I think yeah. if you get those three positions, everybody else kind of develop around it. Right. But especially with, with the right coaching that I think we are putting together. But the mm-hmm. one thing I really like about Marcus Freeman that he's doing, which gets me more engaged, and I'm sure you guys do, is bringing older players back. bring Letting guys get on the field, letting guys – Feel like they actually played there. They can, they can, you know, make a call or something. Man. I think that was pretty impressive uh, <laughs> in his first year of making a change. Yeah, I we appreciated that, man. Like to to be able to 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 have that camaraderie. You know, we talked about brotherhood before. Like be able to talk with your boys and be in the stadium, not have to worry about messing up because you're not playing. But like, you know, like just to be there to be in the environment. And just feel the energy and to be a part of that, that was huge, man, because that wasn't something that was a thing until Coach Freeman. So, yeah, we need that. We need more of that. We need more of that. Now, we're about to let you guys go. I mean, first of all, thank you guys again for jumping on the Lucky Lefty podcast. You know where we spin it different. This is the Players' Lounge every Monday. We bring it to you that raw and cut give your true feelings out. You know, we still we still watch from afar. We care about the program from afar, cheering on Marcus Freeman. But the last question I got to ask you guys, players to watch looking forward uh, for next year, young guys, older guys, who you watching and who they should be looking for for next year? Ben Morrison. <laughs> ben Morrison. Facts. Facts. No, this dude's about to be an All-American, bro. 83, bro. Oh, yeah. 83 yeah, is monster, and that O-line is young, too. People forget yeah. that. They play like grown men, but they're young. Yeah. yeah. And I feel, like, I, feel, I feel like he's saying he's reinventing that room that he used to have back in 2014, 15, you know, mm-hmm. 13. Yeah. Dropping really Hall like of Famers. That easily. Mm-hmm. All the guys that are dominating in the league right now. Yes. <laughs> the dudes are doing work. We we I'll tell you what I I think our offensive line and I was I was talking to Aaron Taylor a couple of weeks ago we we're on a flight coming back from Vegas he just got done doing the Boise State uh, Nevada game we were talking about O line play and he said he really liked what we were doing up front offensively I wouldn't be surprised next year if we're not a semifinalist or a finalist for the Joe Moore Award up front 
which, oh. which in my opinion, that's where it belongs anyway. Yeah. You know, having played for Coach Moore, like, you know, he used to always say there's nothing like moving a man from one place to another against his will. Exactly. Nothing like you know, and we, we enjoyed the, we enjoyed the hell out of that. You know, guys, you know, guys talk during the game, you know, oh, you, you, know, you, you got me that time. Hold on. Let me get the play. I'll be right back, bro. Hold on. Let me grab the play. Real yeah, that's quick. right. <laughs> we, we might do it again. Exactly. So, and so yeah, for, for sure. Morris is going to be a beast. Offensive line for sure is going to be a beast. But, you know, Malik, you know, as well as anybody, man, that X factor is that QB one, man. Yeah. I need, I need somebody to fill that <laughs> role. And, and be a threat. Make it make it be somewhere I can put my money in Vegas. Right. <laughs> right. I'd be so nervous to bet on Notre Dame, man, just because it's like, do they got a better quarterback than us? Oh, shit. We, we have to find nah, out. Yeah, I, ain't my, I, I ain't put my money in Notre Dame in years, man. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's the narrative that needs to change. Like, even older players and players that have played at Notre Dame would not put money on ND going into any big game. We need to change that narrative. I just lost my first yeah, because of <laughs> that blew my parlay up. I probably only missed. I put like a twenty legger, and I probably only missed four. And Notre Dame was one of them. Oh, Notre Dame was God. one of them. And you know, we we love our team. We we oh, love we'll cheer every man. time. We'll cheer. We want us to win. But man, yep. when it come to putting that bread down, I do not do. It. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's a different story, yet, dog. Always, Marcus Freeman can change that around and spin it different because you know. All the support that we do give to the team and what we're, you know, learning from Marcus Freeman and how he's giving it up, I just think it's it's, it's headed in the direction that we all wish we could have played under. And I said, yeah. you know, when you wish you would have played with a, under a coach, you you know things are going in the right direction, especially with those young guys taking advantage of it. But man, great players lounge for the first Monday in a long time. Anything you guys want to leave off these Notre Dame fans with, especially LL Nation, who tune in each and every day. I would say this, man, don't panic. Don't panic. You know, we're, we're in capable hands. We're young in a lot of spots. Um, Coach Freeman sees the same thing that we see, um, and he knows what he needs to do. The, the, the man has got the job for a reason. Let's get behind him. Like, there's no need to panic. We're going to be fine. We're going to be fine. Yeah, get that brother's time, man. We done gave Kelly 10 years. Get that brother's time. give the man <laughs> Yeah, put some respect on that man's name. Like, let's go. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I definitely think we good, man. I mean, I know we, we talked about it earlier in the year. Like, you know, I think I think me and Malik even talked about it. I think you said he gave him seven wins. So, you know, for him to get eight yeah. this year, I thought I think he did a pretty good job, you know, with the quarterback position being what it was. So, you know, yep. going forward to next year, you know, we just look to improve on that. That's all we can ask for, for real. For sure. That's all we can ask for. Well, got to hear first from the Players Lounge, man. The Players Only Club, where we really believe in Marcus Freeman, man. We even know it's eight and four season. It can't get worse. We only going straight to the top, turning this program to a championship tier, where we're going to be something to reckon with next year. I appreciate each of you guys, Jerron, Oscar, my guy, CJ. You know, y'all coming to us live from all over the country, too, by the way, because, you know, we're global. You know, yes, we, we ain't all living down the street. You know, we nah, got Cali. We got Virginia, we got Texas, we got everything. New York, we we bringing it to you live on the Players Lounge. Thanks again, guys. It's a yes, Lucky sir. Lefty podcast. How we get down? Yes, sir. All right, family. Oh, right. Apple, right, Spotify, all of that. Thank you guys so much, man. Oscar, we'll catch up with you again, man. Thanks no so doubt, much, brother. brother. Appreciate you, man. Always. Always.
Mother's Day is almost here, and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around. A watch she can wear every day from Movement. Whether your mom is into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, Movement has something she'll love. And right now, everything at Movement is up to 50% off site-wide during their Mother's Day sale. A watch is a gift that celebrates all the time you spent with mom. And a Movement watch is even more than that. Movement uses industry-leading materials for their fresh modern watch designs, from technically complex ceramics to vintage-inspired style. All for an incredible value your wrist and wallet will both love. And with one-size-fits-all convenience and fast-free shipping and returns, it's a stress-free shopping experience. Save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with Movement. Get up to 50% off site-wide during their Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com.